welcome to Let's Talk Church. I'm Brian. And I'm Matt. We're here to talk about all that is going on in the church world. In this podcast, we find blog posts, articles, and vicious rumors about the church world, and we talk about it. All right, Matt, let's do it. Let's talk church. All right, Matt. Um, so we've we've been talking here for a while, and we know that uh, both of us have been busy. We're a, a little bit behind on recording uh, by a day, but I think uh, tonight's discussion ought to be uh, pretty interesting. Um, we've got a, an article from Christianity Today about um, Sodom. So, uh, you know, you know, I'm assuming that you and I have talked. I know that I've talked to other friends about uh, how much I enjoy these archaeological finds and and the magazines that come with it and all of all of the the intricacies behind it. I've got a stack of magazines beside me in my Old Testament archaeology book, and yeah, I think I think tonight's gonna be a lot of fun. What do you think about it? Oh, dude, wouldn't that be so cool <laughs> to go on an archaeological dig over in the Holy Land? Oh man, I'd I'd do it in a heartbeat. That's like a a, a dream vacation. Like I want to go see some of the sites and stuff, and that'd be cool and touristy. But the funnest thing would be if we could like go dig. Right. Yep. Spend six weeks awesome. and, and actually digging and finding finding evidence of of the people that that we know existed, right? But there's just something about holding a piece of pottery that that says the name of David or um there's another article that we've we've discussed about uh, about Gideon you know to go and find something like that that they they may have well may well have known about is uh is pretty cool uh not going to lie gets me all excited i tell you so, it's it's not biblical but i was talking to my mom the other day and uh, I don't know, I was listening to her talk or something, and I was on Facebook Marketplace. And, you know, I get in trouble on Facebook Marketplace. Right. And they got this new shipping thing. So often I'll see people post something for a dollar and then shipping. And so I'll bid on it, or not bid on it, I'll purchase it to see if they send it to me. Sometimes right. it's a mistake and they don't. Sometimes they do. Well, this was nine bucks, but it was a whole gallon bag full of matchbooks. And I got these matchbooks in. They're matchbooks from the 70s from restaurants and hotels and <laughs> political candidates, all from the late, mid to late 70s. Are they still full? Some Yahoo pulled all the matches out. I don't oh. mean use the matches. Like they obviously removed the staples and removed the matches from each one, except there's one that has a, a 10 cent stamp in it didn't come in it just sort of had that stamping it up in there right one was from a bank it looks like a matchbook but it's actually a little sewing kit doesn't have the needles but it has the thread still in there and you can tell it's from the 70s just from the colors on the thread right um another one did have the matches in there they must have forgot that one and the matches look like little beer bottles (laughs) so it's very interesting yeah. Now, not not saying that uh, that our listeners who uh, lived through the '70s are old, but you know, to find some of that that old vintage stuff, it's just it's just cool to look at and see the different world that we live in, even I mean, '70s to today. 
you know, I mean, 50 years is, is quite a while, but. Yeah, 50 years is a long while. So that's kind of related to, you know, just finding stuff yeah. like that. So I like, I like to, I like history in the 70s and 80s is probably my favorite era. I like the architecture from then and the style of things. If I had my way, my whole house would look like a team <laughs> out of 1983. Oh, the thing is that for those listeners who are really just listening and don't already know us, Matt is very serious. Um, his house very much <laughs> would look like that. Uh, yeah, except except for my wife, she she is not she's not. Yeah, she she holds him back. So maybe no, one day that, that holds me back. That sounds harsh. <laughs> she gently guides me in the correct direction. That's how she would probably. There you me. go. My goodness. But back to this uh, Sodom thing. Yeah. So, the so, so this article is talking about uh, these folks who think they found Sodom, right? Right. And it's hard yeah. for me to say the word Sodom without saying Gomorrah. Well, I mean, if if you know, you take the the biblical evidence, you could say Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Both of the cities were destroyed at the same time in the same region. Um, so while they may be saying Sodom, right, that Tal el is actually Sodom, it could be Gomorrah, right? Or it could be one of the other cities that was also destroyed at the same time. So it, I think it would be okay for us to say that they've potentially found Sodom and Gomorrah. So they found a city that was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. The article starts, a fireball exploded over the northern shore of the Dead Sea around 1650 BC. Yeah. But, yeah, but what they don't go into, they link to it. I don't know. Maybe you read the what the link. What caused a fireball to all of a sudden be in the air? What? What? Right. The uh, when when I I was looking last night because uh, you know I I told you I was I was reading a research paper on this. It was a research paper that I wrote. Um, I was looking for all of my my magazines, right, from, like, my Bible in Spade and Biblical Archaeology Today and all of that, and was trying to find it. They must be n- not here, right? Um, so I've, I've stuck them somewhere else. So I was hoping to find them to get some more of the details as to what they, they think happened. Um, but, <laughs> interestingly enough, whenever I got to... Um, home on Sunday night or Saturday night, I was watching a uh, documentary on the History Channel called uh, What on Earth? And they use satellite imagery and they find unique things, right? Uh, There's, you know, the Nazca lines in South America or um, there's a cave that looks like it has a giant steel door on it in Antarctica that they're saying is a secret Nazi base, right? These kind of things that you can find from satellites, but you can't necessarily see on the ground. And one of the episodes was on Tal Tal El Hamam. Um, So So, so tell the listeners what Tal El Hamam is. Tal El Hamam is a location on the north shore of the Dead Sea. Right. Um, it is on a, on a large plane. Um, that's actually disc shaped. It's, it's according to Steve Collins, who's the one presenting this idea that Tal el-Hamam can be Sodom. 
the disc-shaped plane on the north side of the Dead Sea is the Kakar, right, which is referenced in the Hebrew in uh, in Genesis, right, that it actually means disc, so it's a it's a disc plane. So it's north of the Dead Sea, and they've done some digging there, and our the article in Christianity Today is is mostly just quick overview with some links that you can go and find the, the scientific studies and whatnot. Uh, there's evidence of a large amount of destruction, right? Far beyond the typical levels of destruction that we find in ancient cities that were destroyed by the Assyrians or the Babylonians. Um, so much so that it looks like a meteor or some strange airburst is what they call it in this in this article superheated the earth and melted things and made it just one big pile of ash um, aside from the few foundations and things that they found so that's that's tall el hammam it's one of the two main places suggested for sodom and gomorrah uh, the other is bab Etra. Uh, on the south end of the Dead Sea. Um, but this article, this this article is, is more focused, I couldn't really tell as I was reading it. It seems to be more about the people who disagree that this is Tal el Hamam. Wouldn't you think... Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, they linked to a previous article they covered several years ago about this mm -hmm. same subject. So it's interesting to me that they would kind of cover this again. But it's because there was a technical report published. It says that the end of the week this was done. Right. Um, of, you know, people bringing up again, well, is this Sodom? Is this not Sodom? And the problem they have is is, chrono, chrono, is the timeline. Right. right? The, you know, if this is Sodom, they know about when this was destroyed um, because I guess they're saying it's a meteor if it's a fireball from the sky. Right. Because they do say cosmic fireball. Um, they knew about when it was destroyed. Was it 1650 BC? Mm -hmm. That doesn't quite fit in with the supposed timeline from the Bible. I use the word supposed because I, I fully admit the timeline in the Old Testament we don't fully know about every event. It was such a long time ago. Right. It, it mean, would be different if, you know, if Abram had said, you know, in 1637 BC, I was sitting at dinner when these three guys showed up and I fed them. You know, it'd be different if that was the case. Then we could have specific dates, but we don't. Was that so the we, Georgian calendar or was that the Mayan calendar or? <laughs> what? I mean, when he was when he was given those dates, which calendar was he using? Right, exactly. You know, so you know, there's there's no way for us to definitively know a timeline. You know, this is part of my my rationalization of evolution. I think that science shows there is definitely some adaptation over generations of animals. Right. Right. Grows yep. a tail, loses lungs, whatever. 
there's that, I think that 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 seems to be pretty obvious with the information we have now. So it's hard for me to say evolution is a total scam. That could never be true. Right. But then other people are like, well, evolution says it's over these millions of years. And the Bible says it's, we're just not, we just ain't been around that long. I think the timeline, we don't know the exact timeline. You know, right. obviously some things like carbon dating have been corrected over time. And maybe there's more correction to be had as we know more things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and God, obviously, I very much believe in a created world because I believe that's what the Bible te- teaches us. And I think evolution is just another perfect example of that. I mean, obviously, a system was devised to make this work, you know. Right. Um, you, you know, you and I both work in, in IT, and we know that the perfect or the better you know systems in place are ones that can adapt as they go. Mm-hmm. You're building a network. You could build a static network for the number of devices that you have now that will work great with the devices you're using. But that's not going to be a good network in the long run. So what right. you have to do is build a network for what you expect the growth in the future before you rebuild the network. Right. So you leave some room for growth, leave some room for change, you know, like how we build loops in a network. You know, generally you don't want a loop in a network, but we build in some redundancies, you know, run if you're going to run two pa- a pair of fiber, you might as well run six pair of fiber, right? Right. Um, and you might as well, if you're going to hook up six switches in a stack, you might as well run that one last fiber and link it back around so when the middle switch goes out, you don't lose half the stack. Yep. Um, I think that if we can design systems like that, how much more can the Lord design? Right. So I don't, I'm not so upset over the timeline. I do think it's important, and I see why these people disagree on this timeline. But I don't know that it just throws me off all that much. I, I try to leave the Lord room to be sovereign there, you know? Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I don't notice, I don't recognize any of the names of those who were opposed to Talil Hamam based on timeline in this article. Um, but the Baba Dra, right, which Bryant Wood is a big proponent of being Sodom and Gomorrah, um, he opposes it because of the timeline. Uh, but when you examine the evidence from Babed Ra, you also have to adjust the timeline just the opposite direction. <laughs> so neither neither location truly has a a lock on timeline, right? If if one of them you could say definitely one hundred percent this is the timeline, then maybe it could could stand some more. Um, more credence. Now, I'm but, correct. We found boats on mountains before, right? Yes. And the problem with there is timeline too. Right. I, I think it all points to we don't know the exact timeline. Yeah. Yep. I think our and, suppositions are wrong. Right. And it's now it's, some of our more liberal friends would argue that means then the Bible is not literally true. And if the Bible's not true, you can't take it literally then you're going to have to just throw the, the baby out with the bathwater there. Right. One of the things that we have to remember, and, and spe- specifically when dealing with the Old Testament and the New, right? But, but the Old Testament is far, more, uh, is far more obvious. We're reading a history book, right? All history books... Every last one of them, no matter whether it's, you know, the 
history book published today or the history book published by Josephus in the first century or uh, Eusebius in the third century. It doesn't matter, right? Every one of them is written from a, a perspective, right? It's always subjective, right? We as human beings do not exist outside of time and space, right? Obviously. So therefore we cannot look down on time and say, this is objectively what happened, right? It has to come from experience. Whether that experience is, um, you know, what I was telling you about my day-to-day, -day, right? That's, that's how I experience the day, right? Someone else that was, that was working along with me experienced it differently, right? We could both tell you the same story, but identify different aspects of the day that were far more important to us. Right. Like if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Exactly. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? They're all different, right? And, and because they're all from different perspectives. Luke was a Greek writing, writing a history book, right? Um, but looking back at this super early history, right? Most of these were oral traditions that were handed down potentially for centuries before they got written down. Right. So say we, we take the timeline the, the, that's currently accepted. The new, the old Testament's about 4,000 years in, 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 in time, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't know. Well, from Abraham to Christ is about 4,000 years, right? Um, or is it from Genesis? No, I was going to say from, well, from Genesis. Genesis yeah. From, 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 from Adam to right. about 4,000 years. So, and, and and that's you know that's the timeline. And so that whole part was was handed out as an oral tradition. One the difference between the old and the new is in the New Testament those were letters; those were actually written. Right. Uh, now there was some transcribing of such and things like that, but these were written things. So a written story is much easier to pass on and keep it more intact. Now, absolutely, I'm a proponent that the Bible is the holy inspired word of God. And that, yes, I believe there's we're learning history and things like that, but this is not just any old history book. This ain't, you know, uh, Mifflin or whatever, you know, like our books in, in, in school. This is the inspired word of God. And so even though it was passed on, I think the important parts have been passed on with the Holy Spirit's help. Right. Um, and I think that's important. Um it is something holy and it is something for us to learn something for. For instance, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, obviously it's the story about obedience to God um, and not, not, not questioning um, the Lord and the Lord, you know, looking out for us. And you know what, if this is Sodom and it was destroyed in a meteor, you could argue, well, the Lord sent a meteor down to destroy that city. <laughs> or you could argue that he tried to save them. Right. It's it's really interesting. As I was I was rereading the text, um, you know, over the last couple of years, I have all but stopped reading the Masoretic text and just read from the Septuagint text. Um, it in in this uh, chapter in, in chapter eighteen, um, God is asking Himself, right, if He should tell Abraham what He's about to do. And so the Lord says to Abraham, 
the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah has been completed, and their sins are exceedingly great. Therefore, I will go down now and see whether or not they're carrying out the outcry coming to me concerning them. All right. He, he does not say, I'm going down with vengeance to destroy them. He says, I'm going to go down and see that they're actually behaving the way that the prayers are coming to me as. Now, obviously, you know, we're talking about God, so he's sovereign and he knew already how they were behaving. But to me, that reads as, I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to, to, to bring myself to them and give them the chance to repent. And if they don't, my holiness will destroy them. Which is what happened. It's easy find it in... to want to compare this to what's happening today, right? Right. It's easy to want to go down that path, but I'm hesitant to go down that path because I don't know that that is terribly relevant. Uh, but I see how a fire and brimstone pastor could <laughs> really just tear into that, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you and know, whether it's on topic or not, if it helps lead people to the Lord, hey, you know, sometimes you uh, sometimes you step on some toes to get to the right conclusion, and that's the excuse that's used sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't necessarily. Oh, I know you don't agree, and I don't agree with well, that either. That 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 methodology, but I see yeah. you know this could be used like that so well. Um, but I do think it is a story that's in the Bible that's here for us to heed as well. You know, mm -hmm. well, um, the, the the whole history of Sodom and Gomorrah is is interesting. Um, let me look something up real quick because you know me, I've got books floating around for all sorts of things. Um, there is a reference. So if you look back at the history of Sodom and Gomorrah, right, you know that in chapter 16, right, where Melchizedek comes to Abraham, right, most of the time, and, and stop me if we're going way too deep and, and down a rabbit hole here. But most of the time, what we see from preachers or from evangelists or, or, or Bible teachers, however you want to describe them, what we see is we see Melchizedek and Abraham, right? We see the worship. We see how Melchizedek is a type of Christ. We see how Abraham gave a tithe. Uh, to, to Melchizedek, right? This is what we see. But in chapter 16 and uh, maybe not 16, maybe it's 15 or further before that. Either way, um, my goodness, it is, I thought it was right here. Um, but we, we can we can talk about it without a specific... That's 14, not 15. My fault. What, what we don't see in these discussions and teachings is that the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, um, Adma and Zeboim and Bela, right, which is Zoar, 
just the fifth city of the plane that didn't get destroyed because that's where Lot went. What we don't see is that these five kings joined against Keterleomer as he was coming to destroy the giant, the Nephilim clans. So these were these were kings of cities that explicitly joined with the Nephilim, whether you consider them to be actual giants or demon-possessed rulers or whatever other description you want to give them, right? It's clear from Genesis chapter 6 that they were opposed to God. And so these men specifically joined against Keterleomer, who was coming to destroy them, against God. So from, from early on, they were in opposition to God. And God finally stepped in and said that was enough. And that's usually what he does, right? Yeah. At some point, yeah. that's it. Yep. I'm looking. The, the question that I think some people look to is they see, you know, the world around them seemingly falling apart. And I've got a theory that that happens a lot in human history. Right. Um, I don't know if that's even a theory. It just it happens a lot in human history. I don't know if this is the last time that's going to happen. But there's a lot of people who are like, you know, all right, so, you know, come quickly, Lord. When's this going to be over? Is the and then the fear is, is the Lord going to enact vengeance upon us because of the sins of our country and, and our leaders and things? And we've seen evidence of that happening in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the coming of Christ changed some of that. That doesn't mean we're going to be able to have no consequences for sin. Sin itself has its own consequence. Right. Um, you know, you go out and cheat on your wife, you're probably going to end up divorced if she don't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cut you or something. Right. Um, you know, it, it's a possibility. I was watching that family feud on uh, YouTube, like the bloopers and stuff. And it was talking about one of the questions was, if your husband cheat on you, what would you do? And the number one answer was killing. Right. <laughs> you know. But, yep. you know, there's consequences for, for, for our sin regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily worried about the Lord raining fire and brimstone. Uh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know that I want to uh, say that, but maybe I kind of am, you know. Here, here's the thing. In this story, I want to be known as Lot. I want to be known as somebody who is faithful even in the midst of all the mess. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what we're supposed to pull out of that, right? Yes, um, being faithful no matter what in the midst of all the mess. And I think nowadays we're, maybe it was that way before, but this is the time and place where I live. And the time and place where I live, I see mess everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, we should be that way in our workplace. Um, we should be that way when we go to the grocery store, should be that way with our neighbors. You know, we should be the one who's following the Lord regardless of uh, what else is happening around us. Um, doesn't matter your political party or any of that stuff, you know? Right. Um, but you're right. There's a history here of of these cities being against God. And I think God knew that. I mean, he uses this whole part of the world to be conquered over and over. And there's still turmoil in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that valley is still not completely peaceful right and then where they're still where's 
I was trying to pull the math up for that. It's in the article, by the way. Yeah, I mean, and then the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea, right? Right. I think yeah. it's interesting, the whole pillar of salt thing, you're right there near the Dead Sea, which is full of salt. So a pillar of salt would not be such a out-of-place thing. Right. Um, so it's... I've been trying to find this this reference, and I finally finally found it here. I had to had to do some extra googling while we we're sitting here. Yeah, I was uh, trying to talk a little bit. The, <laughs> uh, you know, we, you know, talking about how Sodom and Gomorrah and these other other cities had joined against God, right in uh, the rebellion of the of the the fallen angels or the demons or whatever word you want to choose for them. Um, you know, we, especially in America, uh, especially in the South here, you know, um, Sodom and Gomorrah's biggest sin was homosexuality, right? Uh, but Ezekiel chapter 16 describes something a little bit different. Um, I... 16, 49, and 50. Um, Surely this was the lawless action of your sister Sodom, namely arrogance. For in fullness of bread and abundance of wine, she and her daughter, which uh, would assume in this case was Gomorrah, lived in self-indulgence. This belonged to her and her daughters, but they did not give a helping hand to the poor and the needy. So they were haughty and committed acts of lawlessness before me, Therefore, I removed them as I saw fit. Right? We notice you know, God speaking through Ezekiel. Uh, homosexuality is not even mentioned there. <laughs> you know, well, their sin was that, that they weren't hospitable. Right? They, they did not care for the poor and the needy. They did not look after those around them. They did commit acts of lawlessness, which could include... Um, homosexuality, but their biggest thing was that they refused to live as God calls us to live. Well, I mean, look at that. It, it wasn't just the homosexuality in that so when the angels came to Lot, they're in the city, right? And then the people right. of the city came and surrounded the house and said, hey, bring them out. We're going to rape them. Right. Like, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, that was that was so far beyond the pale of not being hospitable, right? Yeah, to out downright abuse, downright just horrible things. Um. So yeah, yeah. It, it was not a, a minor offense. It was not, oh, somebody thinks they're in love with this this guy thinks they're in love with this other guy, and they, no, it wasn't something like that. This was a violent, right? It was a mob sin. Yeah. Yep. And it was a lifestyle for these people. Mm-hmm. This was a common thing for them is what seems to be implied from the text there. Right. Yeah. This was it, a, uh, the way they behave themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so. And as we, we, right. And we do this in our, in our, I hate to use the words justice system in our, in our system of laws and things. You know, we have a repeat offender who cannot live in society. We we talked last episode about the death penalty. What we do is we kill them. Mm-hmm. You know, 
somebody who's abusing children and things like that, and then, you know, we, we kill them. Somebody who kills other people, serial killers and things, or we lock them up forever. Right. But sometimes, sometimes sin can be so bad. And I think the Lord can forgive you of any sin, but you still sometimes have to suffer the consequences of that sin. So if I got right. out and become a serial killer, the Lord can forgive me and I can still go to heaven and have a, a peace with the Lord one day, uh, a presence with the Lord. But that doesn't mean here on earth they're not going to have to take me out, so I stop killing people. Right. That, that went to a dark place real fast. Talk about something <laughs> yeah. nicer. Yeah, so, so let me ask you this. In your opinion, now, for the audience, remember, this is our opinions. Uh, does it matter whether or not we find Sodom? No. No. Why not? I believe the Bible anyway. I don't make, I don't think that not finding the archaeological evidence means the Bible isn't true. As I stated earlier, I think our timelines and our understanding of it isn't quite right anyway. As you mentioned, it's not like exact dates were, were quoted and things like that. It was an oral tradition handed down. It doesn't waver my faith at all about whether this city sought them or that city sought them. Right. Um, it makes me happy to hear that it could be because that helps confirm things that I already believe. Um, but if they were to positively say this definitely could not be Sodom, it wouldn't hurt my faith whatsoever. Right. And that's an, a point the article makes is that some people are, are afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that just, um, I'm, I'm in the same boat. It, you know, whether whether you find archaeological evidence of this or not doesn't change my thoughts. Oh, excuse me. But there are people out there, both, you know, on the, the liberal Christian side and the super fundamentalist Christian or fundamentalist Christian side, that whether this is or is not Sodom or whether um, any of the other cities, right, that we're that we're excavating are the actual cities that we think that they are, truly determines their next steps, right? Whether they continue to believe or not, and that that's wrong. <laughs> I'm you know, a fundy if, if because we have a lot more fun, right? <laughs> if if we're that concerned about whether archaeological evidence proves what we should already know to be true, then we're not living by faith. Uh-oh. Right? Now you're preaching. I know it. Um, we're, if, if we're that concerned that David actually lived in this place at this time in order to believe, then we're not looking forward to things that, that will be we're trying to look back at things that were in order to confirm our own beliefs of what will be. That's not faith, right? That's, that's naturalism. That's choosing this world over the world to come. And look, I've tried that. There's, there's, there's uh -huh. nothing profitable in that. Not at all. It ends poorly Every time.
Yeah. The only right. thing that really possesses any real hope in this life is faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Every other religion, every other philosophy eventually leads to destruction. So the only thing that really brings hope is, is faith in Jesus Christ and, and the redemption through him. None of that sounds all churchy to say that, but sometimes you got to sound churchy because that's what's there. Right. Yeah. I mean, Paul says it best, you know, faith is the substance of things not seen. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking you to see understand things. It from a logical point, you can't right. fully grasp it until you actually possess the faith. I know that seems so bad that, Oh, you don't know what it is till you already have it, but you really don't. Right. Yep. And that just, for those that are, are trapped into these kind of things, it makes me wonder if they really have faith or not. And, you know, I had a conversation with somebody not that long ago that uh, somebody we're familiar with, and they wanted to have a conversation to logically work out Jesus. <laughs> and I just can't engage in such a thing, not because I am not confident in my own logical reasoning, I mean, you know me, I think I'm smarter than everybody anyway. But I know that you can't fully understand it without the faith. And so that's what I try to explain to them. But look, we could go back and forth on all this, but it really doesn't matter without the faith. You really can't fully comprehend. And that's the whole thing with the continuity of the Bible and it all matching with each other. There's got to be a spiritual element in that. This is not reading the dictionary or the encyclopedia. This is not editing a Wikipedia article. This is the Holy Word of God, and so we have to approach it a little differently. Man, I think that's a a good a good stopping point there, Matt. I think you've you hit it on the head. It's we cannot approach this the same way we approach everything else. I like it. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We will talk to you next week.